Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is John Doran and I write about music. I've been hosting a video show called The British Masters for Noisy for a few years now. I usually speak to artists who feature strongly in my record collection. We've had everyone, from Marky Smith to Jimmy Page, from Liam Gallagher to Viv Albertine, from Tricky to Goldie. We've just launched our fourth series, and we've finally got round to putting the audio up from the interviews here. We'll be putting all the new episodes up, plus a few classics here and there. Today, I am talking to one of the most famous and hard-working faces in the contemporary musical landscape, Damon Albarn. Rising to prominence as the frontman of the world-bestriding Blur, he has since become known for his seemingly never-ending supply of side projects and collaborations, Gorillas being the most globally renowned. I'm talking to him today in his West London studio about the release of the new album by The Good, The Bad and The Queen. Welcome to British Masters. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to apologise for my appearance. What's wrong with your appearance? You well, my hair, you, you, obviously. You've been up all night. Yeah, I have actually. My son woke me up at two. And I oh, right. Two. If there's any consolation, I woke up at 3.49 exactly because I came back from Mexico 10 days ago, nearly two weeks ago. Actually, it's two weeks, nearly two weeks ago, and I've still got jet lag. Well, is there a cure for it? I don't know. I've never, I've never had, like, a second week. I suppose it's because when I got back, I went straight into rehearsal for Good to Bad because I was doing gorillas out of the final thing. I suppose it's a lot of sort of downloading one world and uploading another world simultaneously and trying to get a sleep pattern together. Right, so the supergroup, the nameless supergroup that a less diligent journalist yes. than me might refer to as the good, the bad and the queen. Why was it time for you to come back after an 11-year break? I don't know really what it was. I mean, it's definitely something to do with a referendum. But I suppose that was the impetus, maybe. It's hard to believe that something like as detached from, um, you know, a reason to do something music, musical, can kind of be the thing, you know, the, the glue that you need. We'd realised we were never going to get anything done unless we kind of got someone in to sort of help. I mean, we call them producers, but producer now is, is someone who doesn't necessarily, isn't the artist for a, for a track, but makes the music. Part sort of psychiatrist, part sort of uh, confidant, part kind of sort of um, music conductor, I suppose, but not like conductor in the sense of, you know, being in the room, being with you kind of when you're playing, knowing that there's someone who's totally engaged listening to what you're doing. It's sort of someone you know who's not like sort of on their phone or reading the paper or in the other room, you know, that. so, so, so that's what he was. Why did you start working with Tony Visconti? Paul thought that that might be the the, the, the good sort of uh, steward of the proceedings. As a group, are you kind of fans of particular bits of his back catalogue? Yeah, all of that early Bowie stuff is, you know, something that the, 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 the bonds us together very closely and, and the sort of the... 
people that came before that, like Anthony Newley, Jake Thackeray and all of that. Did you meet Bowie? Did I meet Bowie? Oh, yeah, I knew. I, how did you, how did yeah, you? I knew Bowie, yeah. <laughs> how did you get on? Very well. Yeah, I felt uh, an, an enormous kinship with him and recognised him as being one of the primary influences on, on myself. <laughs> I was really, really interested when I heard that, you know, you'd shifted your focus from London to Blackpool. That's a really big shift in my book. It's a very important part of my life in North of England, but my very early life, really. I just had a morning just by myself. Something happened to me with Blackpool, and then I just kept going back. And, you know, last time I was there was um, the 3rd of January this year, and I stayed in the Imperial Hotel, and I was the only person staying in this huge hotel. And, and as such, I was given the a Royal Suite. It was just a, a big room, and it had a, uh, a white plastic um, Christmas tree with some fairy lights on it. And above that was a picture of the Queen Mother, the Queen and Margaret. And that was, that was it. And then this huge great window and then, you know, a ridiculously violent storm outside with water coming over the, the concrete. And I don't know, it was a, a combination of that, 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 and the moment. Um, you know, you don't forget images like that. So from, from my first visit there, it's, it's haunted me. It's, it's bit stayed with me. So it was, it was a good place to start something, as good as any. Um, Geldof described the post-Brexit uh, landscape as a self-built cultural jail. And I thought it was a great it's, phrase. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, it's definitely one way of looking at it. So you work with a lot of international artists. What are your main worries about Brexit, culturally and artistically speaking? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, apart from visas, which, you know, it's a pain when you spend a lot of your life travelling, that is going to be a pain in the arse. Um, the, the idea that we're going to sort of welch on, on a cultural kind of sort of signature that was made thousands of years ago, I mean, why why is that suddenly become the thing that, that we can't cope with over everything else that's wrong with the world? Something that we've been for thousands of years, i.e. the absorbers and, and, and the regenerators of different cultures all coming together. And it's just like, who do you want to be? Do you want to be yourselves or do you want to be Brexit? Void, I suppose, is have you really thought through what you could potentially become as a culture if, if, if you did this. And I don't think that was even discussed, was it? Because none of us really want this. And, and, and anyone who wants it, we know that that's not really what they want, it's something else, but then just no one's, no one's created the proper forum for us to have that discussion. In a sense, the referendum should have been about, right, as a family, we really need to sit down and talk about a lot of things because it's self-evident that, you know, from some people's perspective, other people are just taking the piss. And I get that. But that's what it should have been about. And, you know, getting 52% gave you just marginally more, more kind of sort of rights to start the conversation. So I wanted to talk to you about, like, the way that you um, uh, collaborate with people. And one of the ways we can split this is um, just to do with age. So on like one hand, you've um, collaborated with people like Tony Visconti and Bobby Womack. But on the other hand, you've worked with people who are in the 20s, like Little Sims and Vince Staples. As somebody who is, roughly speaking, in the middle, um, what is the... Veering to the... But, yeah. Oh. Is, there, is there a difference Details. 
far as you can judge between working with people from the generation above you or the generation below you. But I think what you're dealing with is is, is their spirit, really. And uh, that's ageless. Like, as the kids were growing up, yeah, yeah. you know, playing with them, and you can see the ones that have got uh, the spirit inside them. Yeah, yeah. One of my nephews who um, has got the spirit inside him, definitely. I had... Um, Paul McCartney and Paul Simran over for dinner. Paul's girlfriend came down the stairs, not knowing that Paul McCartney was going to be there wearing a fur coat. And as she was coming down the stairs, you could see it pulling it off and throwing it back up the stairs. Um, that was funny. But anyway, he was um, designated drink maker for, you know, for the table. Uh, he was about 14, 15 at the time. No, 14, actually. Uh, as he was serving drink, he was going back and... Yeah. <laughs> After dinner, it just happened that we started playing music, jamming. Yeah. So he came and played a bongo with So we got Paul McCartney on guitar, singing Paul uh, Simon on bass. And I don't know what, I was playing something. He was so drunk, but so into it. And he just started doing these mad, like, it's just a constant fucking drum solo. <laughs> Which amused everyone, but he couldn't remember any of it in the morning. Yeah, he literally doesn't remember that he played. He can't remember it. He's never going to have that memory. Yeah. Of when I had a jam with Paul. Which is, which is a lesson to everyone not to drink too much. Yeah. But I have to be honest with you, over the years I've had a lot of sessions like that where I can't remember what happened. One of my favourite uh, collaborations, which is not, uh, no one's ever heard it, it was with Erica Badu. And um, she was supposed to come to the studio about eight o'clock. It just got later and later, and I was with my mate Remy, and uh, I just got right on it. And it got to about one o'clock in the morning, and then she actually turned up. And I was, like, really, really drunk by that point. But it was a duet. I was really into it, and I think she's just into the fact that I was so into it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know. Is it, it's, is it never going to surface? It should do, but it's yeah. really out, I'm really out of tune. Right. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. Are you the so, only person with an OBE to have played in the fall? Probably, yeah. Or not. I don't know. Is that a trick question? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, I'm guess what? I'm using the jurisprudence of Mark Smith saying, yeah, if, he would... if it's me and you, Grandma on bongos, it's the fall. And obviously, you've worked with him. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, do you, yeah. I mean, do you, do, you, do you feel like you've had the experience of being in the fall, albeit for a short time? Yes, I would imagine so, yeah. Very much so. I'm like a massive fan of The Fall. And like, Me I, too. I, I, I really love talking to producers about the different strategies and tactics they use to get yeah. really good performances out of Mark. Yes. Like, honestly, I think like Glitter Freeze is one of the best collaborations he ever did. I think it's like a really, really wonderful song. Um, how did you deal with him in the studio? Bearing in mind, I've worked with quite a few tricky customers. Mm. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm just, I just sort of go, go with the flow, really. With someone like Mark, you just have to be yourself. Otherwise, he would destroy you. You seem to suggest that you'd had far trickier collaborations than yeah. Mark Smith. That you can talk about. Who was the trickiest? I mean, Sean was quite difficult, yeah. just because he was in a bit of a way at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
But it's a great, I, it's know, such a great song though, you know. Yeah. How long did it take to get that vocal take down? But the It's Coming Up came from him having been catatonic for about an hour and a half at about 11 in the morning, um, sitting on the stool with his headphones on and then uh, just sort of coming back into sort of coming back to life and, and going with the sound. It's like it's coming up, the, the sound on the headphones. I'm, I can hear it now. It's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. And then he went, it's there. And I mean, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was kind of all I got. Yeah. So that's why it's there, you know. Well, it's a little drop of magic. Well, it it? is a drop of magic, but I mean, that's why I like, that's why I love collaborating with people. I don't see it as like, right, I expect a song, or I just like, I just love it. That performance at um, Glastonbury um, is is like, no, I think it's like one of the best things that's ever happened at Glastonbury. You look like you're maybe slightly stressed out. Well, I was a bit stressed out because Jamie and, uh, Jamie and myself had made a decision that I wasn't going to talk to the audience. Now, the year before, I'd done it with Blur, and then Bono fell off a bike, broke his arm, I don't know what it was, and they had to get someone to fill in, and I, and I you know, they offered us it, and I, if I look back on it, I sort of, maybe it was a bit too early for us to do that show with that band, and if we'd have done it the next summer, it would have been really amazing. I'd have felt like I'd have given the what, audience. What, the gorillas? Yeah, given it. Oh, it was awesome. Um, when was the last time you, honest to goodness, for real, prayed? Oh, I pray all the time. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took part in my first ever Gnostic pentagram ritual up in oh, Leeds okay. a week ago, and I was buzzing after it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose if, if, if I was a Christian, I'd be a Gnostic. Can I ask you roughly how, what your kind of spiritual belief system is then? A lot of the more esoteric pagan influences. I have empathy with Christianity and Islam and um, Judaism, strongly connected to Buddhism. And I'm, you know, fascinated really with all, all forms of religion, all kinds of meditation. In a sense, you know, the spirit of music is something that 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 moves effortlessly amongst all of them in when when they're at their best really when religion is at its best uh, in a sense it, it has that that energy that I feels the same music that was me john doran talking to a british musician who has changed the course of popular culture this is the british masters podcast watch the visual versions of the episodes on youtube by searching noisy british masters and subscribe here to get new episodes of the audio version. Godspeed, friends, and remember, listen to Electric Wizard.